WTF Sharp is the safe stack. That's where we're going to be answering in today's episode of WTF Sharp with guest Isaac Abraham. SAFE, or the safe stack, brings together several technologies allowing users to write full stack web applications written almost entirely in F Sharp. Before we get into all that today, I'll take a minute to go through both general and personal F Sharp news. First off, since our last episode, I got married. Uh, so I hope you'll forgive my temporary absence in recording these shows. Uh, that and a number of other life events have taken up a fair amount of my time. This isn't quite relevant to today's topic, but it is relevant to F-Sharp. We actually met after I gave a uh, F-Sharp talk at a local .NET conference about a year and a half ago, and we had a nice Vegas wedding recently. A uh, quick trip in and out of Vegas. Very nice wedding. Uh, before getting married, my now wife and I actually also got the pleasure of going to F-Sharp Exchange, pretty much the yearly conference on F-Sharp, which is hosted in London. Uh, while the trip might have started out with us you know, being at McDonald's at midnight, locked out of our hostel, searching for Wi-Fi, ended up as a pretty good trip. Uh, we got to meet a lot of pretty cool people that we've been you know, kind of friendly with online, uh, finally see them in person. We got to see a lot of inspiring and inspired talks on F-Sharp and related topics. And we got to spend time with London and Cambridge. Uh, if you ever have a chance to go to F-Sharp Exchange, I'd highly recommend checking it out. Uh, if you're interested in watching the talks at this specific uh, event at the 2018 conference, please check out the show notes. I'll have a link to how you can see the talks. There's a lot of really good content. Um, in other F-Sharp news, I have campaigned and been elected as a board member of the F-Sharp Foundation. Uh, the F-Sharp Foundation, previously explained a bit by our previous guest, Teen Versace, is a nonprofit organization that aims to promote, protect, and advance the F-Sharp programming language and to support and facilitate the growth of a diverse and international community of F-Sharp programmers. Basically, just make F-Sharp the language and the community around it as great as possible. So my role as a board member is basically to work with the other foundation members towards these goals in some kind of official capacity. If you have any questions about the foundation itself or for me and how I'm relevant to this foundation, please feel free to reach out via email at hello at stashu.net or uh, check out the website at fsharp.org. If you're not currently a member of the foundation, I would highly recommend checking it out. Once you do, you can get part of the F-Sharp Slack channel, uh, which is pretty popular these days. But additionally, there are some F-Sharp conferences coming up soon. In late September, the Open F-Sharp conference is going to be in San Francisco. And in late October, FableConf is going to be happening in Berlin. So obviously, Open F-Sharp is a general F-Sharp conference, and FableConf is a conference specifically around uh, Fable and the surrounding technologies such as the SafeStack. If you're interested in either, please check out the show notes. I am scheduled officially to speak at Open F-Sharp and tentatively to speak at FableConf, so I'll definitely be at both. And if you're there, uh, certainly feel free to reach out. Finally, I want to take a minute to thank another F-Sharp fanatic, Fergus Meikeljohn, for volunteering to edit these episodes for the foreseeable future. Fergus has previously taken a similar role for the Elmton podcast about the Elm language and has recently volunteered to join me in WTF Sharp efforts. If you see me around the internet, please send an additional thanks from me. All right, so on to the main topic. Our guest, Isaac Abraham, is a public speaker, recent F-Sharp book author, and founder of Compositional IT, a company that provides SafeStack commercial support in addition to other services. Thank you very much for coming on to record today, Isaac. How are you doing? Thanks a lot. Great to be here. Good. So can you tell me a little about yourself? I told you, I mentioned a little bit about the uh, SafeStack. You're interested in that and the fact that you've 
uh, been doing some consultant work. Can you just kind of give me an overview of who you are, your development background, F-sharp background, that whole thing? Yeah, sure, sure. So um, I've been working in .NET since uh, .NET 1.0, so the really early days. Uh, I think it was Visual Studio 7 was the first one I started working with hmm. .NET. Um, wow, what year was that? That was like 2000, I think it was, 2001. Oh. Um, so, yeah, really early days. Um, and, yeah, I was a C-sharp dev for, for many years, Um Worked as just uh, working on front-end systems, back-end systems, uh, wind forms, all that sort of stuff. Um, and then probably took a path that, that many developers do. I sort of went into contracting um, in the UK, um, worked in different industries, finance, uh, government, and a few other things like that. Um, and then I joined a company that were um, an Azure consultancy, probably six, seven years ago now. So mm-hmm. early days of Azure. Um and we were doing a lot of big data workloads. This was in the days when like Hadoop was just coming to the, the fore. Right. Um, and we were doing loads of sort of not only big data, but something I realized at the time was that when you're doing big data analysis, you often need to do like little data analysis as well. Just like pick up some files, do some work with them, do some analysis on them. And then from there, do maybe a big job in the background. And I sort of started getting into F-sharp around this time as well. Um, so I'd just come off the back of a, a like a two-year project where we'd been doing a rules engine in C-sharp. And by the end of the project, I sort of realized that what we'd been trying to do was write a functional pipeline <laughs> in C-sharp. And all the things that we were like jumping through hoops to try and get done, like uh, immutable data sets, uh, mm. pipelines, nullability, all those sorts of things were like, they were just sitting there in F-sharp and, and we didn't know about it really. Um, so I sort of made a, a mission of mine to start to use it and then going back to the, the company I worked at at the time, we started to see good opportunity to use F-Sharp with Azure um, for just even scripts, just like I've got this five gig file. I want to just look at the first 10 lines of it. Um, mm. How can I just get it, do some simple analysis on it and then do something else? And it sort of grew from there. And then we started writing entire systems in it. Um, and that was like, yeah, like around 2013, I guess. Um, and since then, it just got to the point where I just did everything in F-Sharp from there, really. Um, so all of our apps, we started writing in there. Then um, about three years ago, I moved to Germany with my wife. She's mm-hmm. uh, German. So when we moved there, then I started my own company, uh, Compositional IT. And the, the idea there was just um, it was going to be a consultancy, but I wanted to do it all in F-Sharp and wherever possible, use Azure as like the hosting platform for our code. Um, just because we thought that was the, the 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 most effective way to write systems for our customers, um, you know the whole you know the drill I'm sure, but you know less bugs in F sharp, quicker yeah. time to market, yep. all of those sorts of things, and then you couple that with Azure, which gives you so many different platform services. Mm. Whether it's just you know I need to host my app code, or whether it's I need a, a message bus, or I need to store some data in, in the cloud, and it just sort of strips away a lot of the, the infrastructure issues that, that often take up a lot of time as developers, so that we can just focus on actually writing um, code that solves business problems for our customers. Um, so that was yeah around probably three years ago now. Um, I guess in terms of the F sharp sort of my involvement with that. Uh, probably yeah, around four or five years ago when I started getting into it, um, I had very little experience on the open source side of things. Mm-hmm. Um, I'd never used GitHub. I didn't know what a pull request was um, or any of that sort of stuff. And, and F-Shop was like the gateway into that as well because at that time, even more so than now, there was 
very little sort of involvement from Microsoft. Now, Microsoft are really, really putting the, the weight behind it. But in those days, it was kind of the maths and science language only. Um, and a lot of the tooling that exists now for F-Sharp didn't exist at the time. So it was kind of, um, that was my my first experience with, you know, if we want to get this stuff working with F-Sharp, then we're going to just contribute to open source projects. You know, Fake at the time was still growing. Packet didn't exist. Um, and it was really a, meeting people like uh, Thomas Petracek and Phil Trelford mm. and Don Syme. Um, they would just come to the meetups in those days. And it was like, you know, these guys that, that you've read about or heard about, and they were just there working with us and, and talking about stuff. And it was really exciting. Uh, um, you're lucky being in the UK there. <laughs> yeah, yeah, absolutely. There's, <laughs> yeah. All the cool guys are there. <laughs> oh, man, I'm going to get in trouble for that. <laughs> I happen to think that, yeah, I've, I've heard there's some cool people on the West Coast as well yeah. uh, doing some good stuff and, and the East Coast. But, um, yeah, it was it was really my my first experience into open source community, and it was really welcoming. And there was never any sort of um, uh, attitude or any sorts of problems. It was always just, you know, we want to make this the best we can be. We're really happy to have you as part of the community. We, we hope you, you know, enjoy it sort of thing. It was really open and welcoming. And, I, and Probably that was almost as much of a reason why I ended up working at F-Sharp than the actual language. Yeah. 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 Um, so yeah, yeah that's I, probably about it. Yeah, it makes sense. I want to pick on one thing back there. Uh, you mentioned that you were part of this consultancy and you were doing some F-Sharp work. Um, you were gradually increasing it. And uh, I know some people have tremendous difficulty in trying to uh, trying to onboard their coworkers or prospects of F-Sharp, if you will. Uh, what was that like for you? Was everyone on board initially or was that like um, a, you have, have to really sell it? I guess um, there were two or three sides to that. And it's not just in that one place I've worked in. When we do training now and onboarding with other customers, it's the same thing. Mm-hmm. Um, the things I've learned when trying to, to, I hate to use the word sell, but when I've tried to bring people onto F-Sharp and show them the benefits of it, um, the thing I've tried to do is, is not so much to show that it's better than C-Sharp or better than Java or, or whatever, but more that it's a better language if it fits with a certain style of write, the code that you want to write. So if you like to write code with lots of while loops and mutable data and for loops and, um, I guess, imperative code, then, then F-Sharp might not be the best fit because you end up having to write code that's entirely unidiomatic in F-Sharp. You have to put mutable keywords and uh, assignment operators everywhere. But if you're already writing code that is either A, working with data, or um, it's you're trying to use link everywhere, you want to do um, immutable objects, you try and write code in a pipeline style, declarative style, then F-Sharp is just naturally a better fit, then you'll probably be much happier in it. Right. Um, so we... we I've worked with guys that, that just didn't, it didn't work for them. Um, they were always trying to go back to why can't I do a while loop? Hmm. And um, th- that happens. That's not that they're not smart guys. Some of the guys I worked with are really smart, but it just, it didn't fit with them. There are other people I've worked with that really got it and they really hit it off. And, and it's, it's always a bit of a, a mixed bag, I guess, really. Yeah. Yeah, and there's also a stylistic component to it. I mean, even if it does make sense for a specific use case, if it doesn't fit your style of programming, then it's, it's just not a right fit. Um, I think that's probably true of most things in tech. We're very particular, like, you know, even though technically I know Emacs is probably good for me in some way, or Vim or one of those guys, uh, It just because it's nice, if I don't like it, 
I don't like it. You know, there's no reason to try to force yeah, a language or some kind of technology on someone. But as as technologists, yeah, we get pretty involved in things like that. Yeah, I'd agree with that. I think the last thing you want to do is is force it on someone. Um, in my current situation now, I'm lucky in that I run the company, so I can say that we're going to use F Sharp and only F Sharp. And yeah. The people that come to work with us, they know that's what they're going to be doing. So there's no surprises. But um, I, I, the only thing I'd add on to that is um, some of the places where I've worked with introducing F Sharp, where it's worked really well, is where we went all in on it. Mm. Um, so we said, you know, listen, we're going to do this F sharp and we're going to do this F sharp properly. Some of the places where I've learned that it's not necessarily the best way of doing it is to use F sharp, but only use a subset of it so that we didn't scare off developers coming from other backgrounds. Um, and the problem with doing that is then people often don't see the real benefits of it. Right. Yeah. Um, so, you know, um, it, we say we're not going to use partial application on functions or hmm. we're not going to use, I don't know, computation expressions or things like that. Then you end up with people to say, well, I get it. It's not got curly braces and it's a bit more lightweight, but I'm not really seeing the benefits yeah. of it. It's halfway through uh, C-sharp light. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Exactly. So um, that's kind of the um, the other point I would make on it. And that's definitely something I've learned in the past. Very cool. Um, I, either do it properly or, or don't do yeah. it at all. Well, yeah, um, does F sharp properly for you, that little bit, does that include things surrounding it, like using packet, fake, or is it just you talking about the language specifically? Um, packet's a straight, an interesting one um, because it's it's written in F sharp, um, and it's suddenly got some things that make F sharp easier to use, like um, the fact that it can generate scripts that load in all the dependencies, um, or the fact that it creates, uh, it downloads the packages without the folder paths in them. Mm hmm which means that when you upgrade your NuGet packages, you don't have to update all your right. scripts. Beyonce um, is like a buy-in necessarily, right? Yeah, exactly. But I guess um, it's almost like once you start using F-sharp and if you then take that step into looking at what other people are doing, you almost inevitably start using um, other packages that sort of come as like add-ons with F-sharp, like F-sharp data, mm -hmm or FS check or FS test, you know, or expecto. Right. So it's almost like there's, um, you, you start almost just with the language and then you say, right, I want to do data access. And maybe you'll use a library that you've already used in the past. Uh, maybe you'll use um, Dapper or Entity Framework. And sometimes they work just fine, like Dapper. Um, other ones like Entity Framework, I've not had a great experience mm. in F-sharp because it's by its nature you have to like have sometimes inherit from other classes or have virtual methods uh, and things like that um so you often tend to get i think the best experience by going with libraries that are like f sharp first um cool yeah that's that's my experience cool there. i appreciate that all right so without any further ado i guess we should get into the safe stack itself so let's pretend i don't know anything about safe stack we've never met what is the safe stack Okay, so um, the SafeStack is um, an open source, um, free, end-to-end, -end, uh, functional first stack for cloud-ready web apps. Um, and it emphasizes type-safe programming throughout the whole stack. Um, so in a nutshell, it's the, the easier way of saying it really is that it's a web stack for F-sharp, end-to-end, um, um, which kind of has those same benefits that I just mentioned. So. The real goal of it was to try and make um, a stack that we thought that you could, you didn't have to compromise um, 
in terms of your adoption of F-sharp. If you're someone that likes F-sharp already, something that you didn't feel, oh, I've got this part of the stack, whether it's data access or web programming or client-server communication, where you thought, oh, well, at this point now, I have to leave my, my, my safety net of F-sharp and jump into some other tech where either I feel like I'm giving up a lot or maybe I'm not an experienced developer in TypeScript or something else where we could actually say I want to harness those same skills across the whole stack and it's a, a coherent story. All right, that's very cool. Uh, what does safe stand for? I'm sure it's not, uh, you have some type safety. It's something certainly important to you, but I know safe stands for something else. <laughs> yeah, so um, safe is just uh, four components or text. So the S stands for Saturn which is uh, an F-sharp first web um, library that's built on top of ASP.NET. Um, then the A stands for Azure, which is uh, obviously Microsoft's cloud uh, service. The F stands for Fable, which uh, obviously you've had a podcast mm-hmm. recently, but it's uh, an F-sharp to JavaScript transpiler and uh, tooling system. And then the E stands for Elmish, which is a, a front-end sort of UI design pattern that sits on top of Fable. And between all those four, you can pretty much um, get really good coherent end-to-end applications um, in a flexible way where you can plug in and out bits that you you want or don't want and then build on top of it with your own, obviously, customizations. Yeah, let's break down those four things. So Saturn, that is – I've used a few different web frameworks around. There's uh, there's Suave, there's Saturn, there's Giraffe, there's – you know, you can hand roll with ASP.NET MVC. You can do some – all kinds of funny stuff. Um, so Saturn's the back end, so that's sitting there, and typically I would use that, and I would have type safety just on that side where I could touch the database, I could um, basically take in web requests, I could you know deal with all those web requests and use all my nice things like partial application, whatever, with, within my language, and that's all there, and that has the type safety. So I really want to get the idea that I have you know that whole back end safety, and then separate from that, uh, is Fable, which is where I have this front-end safety, where I can type in F-sharp code in a very idiomatic way, and I have safety all along that. So I have, you know, quote-unquote endpoints, any kind of routing system you have, all the way down to very low-level, you know, quote-unquote service-level uh, calls and, and changes in in F-sharp as well on the client side. So the, the thing I'm seeing here is that SafeStack is basically... You know, take the comfort of type safety in the front end, the comfort of type safety in the back end, and just tease those together. Um, is that is that pretty much where we're getting at? Yeah, yeah, I think so. It's uh, about being able to write apps, and even to the extent where you can write F-sharp code on the back end, and then just arbitrarily share that code on the front end as well. So a good example might be some validation logic, mm. um, you know, name field has to have minimum of five characters or something stupid right. like that. Um, have that code and just actually run it on both sides. Right. If, um, rather than having to think, oh, I've got to now port that into another language to run it. Sure. On the front and you also have the convenience of DTOs being the same or data transfer objects being the same on both ends. We don't have to have like a JavaScript uh, class or and a C-sharp class or F-sharp class or whatever record type you want to have on both ends. Uh, my, <coughs> you know, Most of the work in my past has been you know, ASP.NVC with uh, JavaScript on the front end. And there's always that problem of, oh, I have to create like these equivalent classes to really pass any data between the two layers. So with, with this stack, you basically just have the one record type or however else you're presenting, representing the data. And that's pretty much it, right? Yeah, absolutely. Um, awesome. And in fact, there's now a, even ways to go even further than that. So there's now a library called a Fable Remoter. Okay. 
which is doing the same thing like you just mentioned, i.e. DTOs shared, but rather than just DTOs, um, the actual contracts of what the communication between your client and server is. So if you think back to like the old sort of RPC style days, you can essentially say I've got an interface between my client and server. Here are the methods that I can call between them. And it will actually do the marshalling um, of JSON serialization and deserialization. So you even get the safety there of this is the actual endpoint that exists on the server. That makes sense. So my brain's still thinking of like I'm halfway between, oh, I just have one language and it's full stack. And I'm also thinking that there's client and server side. Out of curiosity, are these typically, you know, you have everything in one project. Do you have basically separate client and uh, server, and maybe you have another for shared stuff that both of those reference. How's your project structure typically work? Maybe coming from a ASP.NET MVC background. Yeah, I would say you have two projects normally, um, client and server, as you said, and exactly that. Typically, a folder maybe with some shared files in there. So maybe your your DTOs that you want to share across client server, maybe some validation functions and modules that you want to share across the two of them. Uh, and obviously, they will get compiled down into um, normal fsharp.net.net core on the server. And on the client, that'll be transpiled into JavaScript by Fabian. Okay. But as a developer, I, I don't have to worry about that. All right. All right. So we tackled two of the things, Saturn and Fable. Still got Azure and Elmish for left. So Elmish, I mentioned previously in the Fable episode that that is very heavily inspired by the Elm language, basically framework for building web applications or other kinds of applications. It's a UI framework, you could say. There's a bunch of little vague definitions there. But basically, I have three different components. I have a model, I have view, and I have some update, model view update pattern. And it just goes through these cycles of basically you have an aggregate state, you have, or an aggregate state of that context, you have uh, an update function that will basically take in intentions for that state to change, and then you react to that state, and basically your central state changes over time. And it's a very nice idiomatic way to do web programming. It feels really great in Fable. I've also done some Elm in the past. I'm curious, you know, once you have all of this set up in the client side, does that trickle it all down to the server, or do you typically have kind of like Elmish in the front end, um, and then you have basically a line in the sand where it's like, oh, no, we're doing like normal uh, web stuff in the back? Yeah, so um, I think up until recently, that's been certainly the common practices. You have um, the Elmish model on the client side, and then normally you'll have a set of endpoints that you're exposed through Saturn or whatever um, that is more just regular functional programming on the back end. There's actually now a library that people are working on. I'm not sure if it's been released yet called um, Elmish.bridge, which is designed to actually have that um, MVU pattern on the client and the server as well. Hmm. So it kind of merges the two. Um, I've not actually used it yet. It's pretty new, but um, it sounds pretty exciting that you can have that same paradigm on both the client and the yeah, server. That, um, yeah, that's interesting. That's going to be hard for my brain to think of Elmish on the server side. Like that's my, I, the, the idea of like controllers or something equivalent of that, like explicit endpoints um, on the server. Like that's so deeply ingrained in my brain from doing ASP.NET yeah. MVC. That's that's going to be tough to get over. Uh, I'm, I'm really curious to check out Elmish.bridge after the show here. Cool. Yeah. Uh, and the last bit here is Azure. So obviously uh, you could probably deploy Saturn, uh, Fable, and Elmish to anything you want. Is there any specific reason you chose Azure? Start with an A. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, ironically, I mean, uh, there, there's another uh, cloud provider, obviously Amazon, 
uh, web mm. services that you could say is yeah. the A as well. Um, from my point of view, um, part of it was, I think Azure and AWS, it's interesting to, to look at those two as, as cloud platforms. Um, they both started from very different points of view. Amazon started very much from the, the infrastructure side, so you could easily host virtual machines. So it was a really nice way that if you've got some application that runs on a PC, you could sort of lift and shift it into Amazon on a, on a virtual machine and run from there. Um, Azure started from a very different point of view. It was always from the developer point of view, from a programming model, from platform services. And over time, both of them have kind of crossed over and met in the middle. So now you can create VMs in Azure and so on. And AWS has got a, a nice set of platform services as well. Um, I think from my point of view, Azure's got a very rich set of platform services, though, mm. um, probably richer than AWS in my my. Uh, opinion. Um, a good example is like hosting apps, uh, web apps in, in Azure. Um, it's not just the ability to say, right, here's some code, please host it in uh, what is effectively IS as a service or an app service, but you get all these nice sort of things around it. So the deployment uh, um, story is really good in Azure. Not only can you just do the standard sort of FTP, but you can set up like um, Git, um, Git deploy, so whenever someone pushes to a branch, you could theoretically download the code directly into the app service mm-hmm. and host it. Um, it's got built-in authentication. It's got really good support for logging. Um, it's got the ability to just scale out the service as you want. So I could say if I get more than 60% CPU, then please load balance up to 10 instances, and it will just automatically do that for me. Um, and you can do things like A-B testing. So I could say, right, I want to actually deploy three versions of my safe site, um, send 10% to the first instance, 20% to mm. the third, and the, uh, and 70% to the, the middle one. Mm. Um, so And it does that out of, almost out of the box. Um, so you don't have to do any code to do that. It's just like part of the app service um, for free. Um, and it makes a lot of those sorts of things that normally you'd either, as a developer, really not look forward to doing, um, or just have to do a bit, of, uh, quite a bit of work to do. So um, that's kind of from the the safe side of things. Um, it's a really great and easy way to host applications. Um, I'll talk a bit about it later. How we've actually done that integration in terms of mm. the tooling. Um, but even outside of app service, it's just got such a wide variety of different services you can use and so easily. So it's got things from um, just storing data, whether that's a SQL database or a document database or just blobs of data, to distributed messaging services, to um, image recognition and machine learning. All of them are sort of just hosted services. So it almost just becomes a thing that you're writing your app and you realize, oh, I need Mm. to do this. You press a button and now you've got a new service um, and then you can start developing against it. Nearly all of them have got .NET SDKs. Mm. So without too much work, you can usually start to get up and running with these services pretty quickly. Do you guys like have F-sharp wrappers around the services? Are you guys hitting them directly? Um, a bit of both. So sometimes, like for Azure Storage, um, there's a type provider that we've, mm. we've done um, that allows us to sort of, you know, you dot into your service and then you can see all the data through IntelliSense. Um, some of the others are pretty simple to use, so they don't really warrant um, an F-sharp wrapper. Or sometimes we'll have just a very thin veneer. It might even just be a single F-sharp file that will host in Git and just have that as a dependency mm. through Packet. Um, so some of the, it's kind of a mixture of all three, cool. really. Uh, you mentioned before that some of these elements are pluggable, or you can take certain subsets of them. Uh, I know, for example, you know you you probably can find a way to deploy to AWS or GCP. 
or you know whatever else you want. Actually, App Fair starts tonight too, right? <laughs> Uh, I know Saturn, you also have the alternative of giraffe, and I'm certain you have the option of not using Elmish if you don't find that uh, syntax very worthy. Uh, can you give me some background as to you know what people typically do? I'll, I'm sure you know uh, maybe 50% use the safe stacks just straight out of the box. Uh, have you noticed a lot of people not using Elmish or anything like that? Can you speak to that subset ability? Yeah, sure. So um, I think one of the things would be probably for people that are just hosting a standard web app, um, they might not want to host it in Azure. They might want to either host it um, on-prem or maybe they're using something like Docker. Um, and then they may choose to host that Docker container in Azure using um, AKS, which is the, the mm-hmm. container service. But they may want to do that themselves on any number of different Docker hosting services. Um, I guess from the back end, as you've said, there are different sort of backend services, Saturn, Suave, uh, Giraffe. Um, I guess the other side might be not so much to replace the services with alternatives, but actually just to use a, a, a smaller part of the stack. So it maybe you just want a back-end API. Maybe you've got a team that are already using mm. TypeScript on the front end. Um, you don't really want to, to try and take over the whole thing, but there's nothing to stop you using you know, Saturn and Azure on the back-end. Still taking the benefits of F-Sharp um, on top of ASP.NET, for example. But then just exposing your data as JSON, as RESTful APIs, and, and your other TypeScript team can still carry on going. Uh, there's no reason why you can't do that. Something else we've been experimenting with is looking at um, a way of using Fable on the back end. So a good example is some Azure services actually have JavaScript as their programming language. So, for example, um, Stream Analytics is a service that allows you to do SQL type queries over time series of data. So... For example, you can do select star from stream and then do sliding window or where something has only shown up in the last 10 minutes. Um, And in this program model, you can write store procedures, but these procedures have to be in JavaScript. Mm. So again, yeah, why not use Fable to compile your F-sharp into JavaScript and then host that in, uh, in inside stream analytics? So there's all sorts of ways that we can repurpose these, um, these tech. Um, But uh, you know, the, the the idea really is, uh, as a starting point, let's try and get as much as we can in F-sharp um, and then trim away the cool. bits where needed. So that's, that's a very appreciated background here. Where did Stack originally come from? Was there a moment where you said, I'm tired of, you know, having to hack together these solutions or uh, was it just something that grew organically? And uh, while you're explaining that, could you explain who we is, who all is working with you uh, to organize the Stack? Yeah, sure. So um, where did safe start? I guess uh, the first place would have been in the shower. <laughs> um, <laughs> All good ideas do. Yeah, <laughs> yeah exactly. So um, essentially, um, when I'm talking about we at the moment, this is like compositional IT. Mm-hmm. Um, so um, we, we certainly didn't do all the tooling. We'll do, you know, Fable was done by um, Alfonso and a load of other guys. Um, Saturn has, has really been done by Chris. Uh, and a few other people and so on. Um, what we were looking for, though, was a way to provide either both a brand um, to all these different technologies and also a place where people could could look to as a starting point. It was up until that point, I think it was quite tricky to see, I want to do an end-to-end F-sharp application. Where do I start? Mm. Where do I look? Um, people like Stefan Forkman had done a few really good samples Um but there wasn't anything in terms of the tooling for getting started. It was more of here's an existing GitHub repo, clone it, uh, remove some of the bits that you don't want, <laughs> oh, and then you go from yeah. there. 
Um, and there wasn't too much of the documentation that brought all these different technologies together. So, you know, someone's riding an app in Giraffe and they want to plug Fable onto it, but what's the best way to get the interop in mm. terms of the, the JSON going? Or how do I create a fake script that can host um, in development time these two stacks, but also then when I want to deploy it into IIS, do it in a slightly different manner? And those sorts of things, I, th I think, weren't really there at the time. So we were looking at this and then... Um, I was going through a few sort of random acronyms that kind of, <laughs> Fit some that, of the that pieces. made sense. <laughs> yeah, exactly. And then uh, I, through, I guess through uh, just uh, through brute force, I eventually came up with yeah, safe stack. And then uh, we thought that sounded good. We ran it through a few other people. So um, in the early days, we were talking with people like Stefan Falkman, who I think was really pushing um, safe in his company. They've been doing a lot of stuff mm -hmm. with with safe stack. Um, Chris um, Sislak, who's been doing a lot of stuff with with Saturn now, um, and some of the other people, really, just to to, to see if we can get some of these. I, I hate to use the word thought leaders, but people that are really pushing the boundaries of these end to ends. Mm -hmm. um, Alfonso as well, of course. Yeah. Um, so, in terms of your other question as to who is we, um, I would guess the the maintainers of the safe stack um, is probably people like myself at Compositional, Stefan, Chris, Alfonso's uh, helping, but also people like uh, Thomas uh, Haimovsky, who's done a, a, so much work on the, the, the template that mm. we're doing. Um, and there are like three um, consultancies now that we, we were always told at the start, um, we'd love to see some commercial support options for mm. SAFE. Um, we want to adopt SAFE, but maybe it's a bit difficult for us to get buy-in from management unless there's at least some commercial options that we can push to and go to when we need some help. So like on the safe site now, there's like three consultancies of which we're one hmm. um, that you can actually, you know, talk to us. Uh, Lambda factory is another one um, that you can actually say, listen, you know, we're doing some work on safe. Maybe we need some training or maybe we just need some coaching, you know, an hour or a week or a couple of hours just to help keep us on the right track. Um, and, and I think that's really useful because um, it's, I can speak from experience. I come from very much uh, the, the ASP.NET background um, when I was working in C-sharp and JavaScript front end, pretty much as you said before. Um, moving to an F-sharp only stack with Fable, it's a very different mm -hmm. model, um, both in terms of the tooling and also in terms of the development lifecycle. Um, so there's things like hot module reloading mm. and um, the whole Webpack um, deployment model, which if you're coming from a pure .NET background can be a little uh, uncomfortable yeah. initially or a bit uh, unusual. So having the, at least the documentation there to start with is important, but also then the ability to reach out to people for help is also good. Very cool. And when you're reaching out to, to help for these people, you mentioned that there's a few can, uh, different entities that are asking for consultancy and assistance with all this. Are you finding they're mostly local to where you are currently? Or are you getting you know all over the world? I'm trying to see where is Steve geographically most used so far? Uh, so we're seeing interest uh, both in Europe and the US. Um, also, it's not only in the commercial side. So all of us are like active on Twitter and on the Slack channels. So the F Sharp Slack and functional programming. There's a web channel on um, F Sharp Slack dot com. Mm -hmm. There's a web channel there, um, and we see a lot of interest from people all over the place just asking about. Um, you know, I'm looking at Safe now. How do I get up and running with it? Or um, how can I use a Giraffe on ASP.NET? What's the easiest way to get up and mm -hmm. running with it? How do I do cross-client-server uh, communication? All those sorts of things. Oftentimes, we, we use those questions to help uh, guide our documentation. 
um, which uh, you can get on safe.github.io. I know you've got a link mm-hmm. at the end. Um, I'm sure you'll put one in there. But um, we want to try and really um, get as much feedback and questions from the community and try and build in that story so that people can just look on the docs and get those sort of frequent questions that everyone is hap- uh, asking us uh, as quickly as possible, get the answers. Gotcha. Very cool. So we'll, your next steps are pretty much add more and more documentation. Is that kind of where temporary direction is? <laughs> yeah, I guess. Um, I think um, the the initial part was really the explaining what the value proposition mm-hmm. is of safe and what the different components are, sort of like what we've spoken about already. But then looking at sort of um, the different alternatives, how you might um, host your stack, um, whether it's in Docker or in Azure, um, some of the different questions we have is like, what is this thing hot module replacement? And how do we do client server communication? Um, where do I look else to learn more? What are the sort of re- repositories out there? Um, all those sorts of things. And it's, it's kind of a learning experience for us as well, because we, we're, we're probably not the best people to know what the questions are that beginners are having right. because we're using it. So it's really important that people come to us and, and give us these questions so that we can make the documentation as, as good as possible. Yeah, and I've seen you plenty available on Twitter and web and all kinds of different places. So if you're curious, bug Isaac. <laughs> uh, <laughs> yeah. So how do I get started? So I know, you know, safe stack involves these different pieces. Uh, I'm not sure, you know, how do I get started? Is it on, actually, one question before that even is, is it on .NET Core, .NET Framework? Where? That's a great question. <laughs> um, the answer is both. Um, so we know people that are using SafeStack um, on the full .NET Framework. And they're also using it on, we know people using it on .NET Core. Um, it's kind of, it's a little bit, uh, yeah, unclear in, in the sense that there's the .NET Core tooling, like the SDK, mm-hmm which actually can run on both the, the full framework and on .NET Core. Hmm. Now, our, our position at the moment is now that we're on .NET Core 2, um, probably .NET Core should be your default position to start with. But there, we know there are definitely times when, when .NET Core isn't everything you need. So there might be some libraries that aren't available on .NET Core. Um, maybe you need a type provider that's not been ported across yet, for example. Um, and in that case, framework might be still a great fit for you. Um, but you can use it on either of them. There's not too much difference, to be honest, um, aside from obviously the fact that .NET Core is, seems to be getting a lot more updates more mm. regularly. There are some features that are coming to .NET Core that may take a bit longer to get to .NET Framework from a Microsoft sure. point of view, um, not as much as safe yeah. point of view. Yeah, I'm seeing that .NET Core seems to pretty much be the, the present, definitely the future. <laughs> All right, so now that yeah, I know exactly. uh, what SafeStack is and the fact that I probably want to run it on .NET Core, uh, how do I get started? So I'm at my laptop. How do I go? So we've got uh, three options for this, how to get started, three possibilities. One, I would say, is the Safe template. So this is um, a .NET template. So if you've not used like the, the .NET SDK, um, this comes with the ability to say, rather than, rather than having to open up Visual Studio and do File New Project, you can just go to the command line and type .NET new console, and it will create you a console application um, from scratch. And we've basically created um, a safe template that you can say .NET new safe. And this will then give you uh, a full F-sharp end-to-end with Fable, Saturn, um, Azure, Docker, whichever sort of these pick and mix that you want, that you can then spin up this app and just sort of get going straight away. Um, and it's configurable. So you could say, right, I want uh, a .NET uh, new safe, and I don't want to use Saturn, I want to mm-hmm. use Giraffe. 
or I want to have it hosted with Azure, or I want to use Docker, um, and so on and so forth. And there's kind of this this configuration model, which means that um, a lot of the times the difficulty isn't so much just seeing um, how do I spin up a, a Saturn application or how do I spin up a Fable app, but how do I get the two to talk mm. together? How do I get it to deploy into Azure easily? Um, and that's what this template does. It takes away a lot of the boilerplate for you so that you can at least get up and running pretty quickly with a Hello World application and then see the the, the flow. Um, so that's sort of one thing, I think, which pretty pretty well lowers the barrier to entry. And it's also a great way for us to expose uh, safe developers to new safe technologies and modules. So, for example, the uh, Fable remoting that I spoke about before, so that's now been added to the safe template so that someone else can start it tomorrow and say, well, I've heard about this remoting. How do I start using it? Well, safe, new, turn on the remoting flag, and then you can actually see how it works and actually compare it to uh, a, a safe app that doesn't have remoting turned on. The second thing is um, we've created a, a, a dojo for um, safe applications. It uh, probably takes like 60 to 90 minutes to do if you've not used safe before. Um, we're seeing quite a few user groups trying it out. And it's a pretty simple application in terms of what it's designed to do. You basically put in a, a UK address, like a postcode, um, which is kind of like a zip code, I guess, yeah. uh, for, for US people. Um, and it will use as a, it kind of does a mashup. So it'll go to the back end, get the GPS coordinates for the postcode. Then it will get some crime statistics, show it on a map, um, show the weather forecast and things like that. And it's, uh, it gives you kind of a, you know, a guided set of instructions that, you know, step one, try and call the back end. Step two, try and connect to a, an endpoint on the, from the front end. Step three, add some validation that uses um, some F-sharp code on the back end to try and do it on the client side as well. Uh, and so on and so forth. So it's kind of a nice way that you can step through an application um, and obviously see there's a there's a branch that you can see how it all looks at the end, or you can just opt to do it yourself step by step by step. Um, and it's kind of nice uh, guided learning experience. Um, and then the third thing we've got, um, which is obviously referenced in the in the docs, is a whole bunch of safe samples. So, for example, there's um, a to-do list, which is a pretty simple client-server app that uses Elmish. Uh, there's a bookstore, which is quite interesting, that has like uh, authentication using JWT tokens. It's got some Docker um, deployment and so on. There's a conf planner that um, is really interesting. That's using like WebSockets and more of an event-driven architecture. Oh, nice. uh, there's a chat application that's using Acker.net. Um, which is actually quite nice. It's sort of a way of showing, look, you know, Acker's got nothing to do with mm -hmm. Safe, but we can actually bring it in and start using it um, for a chat application that's hosted in hmm. Safe. Um, there's also um, a Safe Search that we've got there. Um, we're actually doing a bit of work on that at the moment, but it's quite a nice app. It's uh, basically pushing a load of addresses into an Azure search index. And then allowing you to do like type ahead search and things like show me all properties within five kilometers of this address sort of thing. So it uses quite a nice, um, it's it's a good example, I think, of how we can use Azure platform services to do a lot of the heavy lifting and then use SAFE to, to do essentially the, the core uh, workflow orchestration of, of an application. Very cool. Are there any uh, talks or anything I, I could go watch? Let's say I'm not quite comfortable with diving in to a Dojo sample or a template, anything right away. Is there any talks that you can personally recommend? Yeah, so um, at uh, F-Shop Exchange earlier this year, um, Tomasz Harmowski, he did an absolutely fantastic talk 
on uh, safe apps. He basically goes from Hello World, uh, just the safe template, to a full end-to-end application where he's doing like data capture, um, like a polling application, and he does it in like 50 minutes. I have no idea how this guy manages <laughs> to do it. It's incredible. But um, it's uh, you can get a link from the um, from the safe docs. Um, it's free to, to watch, um, and it's absolutely fantastic. It's really inspiring, yeah. actually, watching this. I mean, when we're I don't know if you were at the um, at that talk uh, at FNAF mm-hmm. Exchange, but it was um, everyone was coming out of that talk like yeah. Just, wow. I, I actually picked the other slide because I was at F Sharp Exchange. And I loved it there, but I picked the other slide, and it was a great talk, really good. But when I came out of the room, I was a little bit being like, oh man, that the. That talk sounded really good. I should check out the safe stock. Uh-huh. <laughs> anyway, um, yeah, it's, um, uh, it really is. I eventually did watch on the plane home, actually, uh, which is uh, <laughs> always good to do some F-sharp on the plane. But, yeah, fa- fantastic. I don't know how he live codes so much and doesn't mess up. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. I've had so many talks um, where I try live code, and every talk now I do less and less and less, and he just got like, nah, I'm just going to do it all. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah. Um, there are also some podcasts as well mm-hmm. um, on the safe stack as well um, from a few people. So, uh, you know, that might be yeah, worth looking at. about to be one more. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> anyway. Um, so what's the future direction of safe? Uh, you have everything pretty stable right now. I've seen your docs get pl- pretty flushed out. Uh, what's what's the next step here? Um, I think there's kind of two sides to this. Obviously, the safe itself, you know, it's a set of documentation and guidance. And there's the template. Um, the template is certainly something we're evolving all the time. So to make it quicker to get up and running, to lower that barrier to entry for people. Um, and then the second side of it is to um, obviously help work with the individual components. So whether that's making Saturn even better than it is now. Um, Fable um, is working up to version 2.0. Um, I'm not sure when that's going to be released, but I think it's in beta mm-hmm. now already. So, you know, we'll probably have to evolve safe in terms of making sure that it keeps Fable as a great story, that the template is kept up to date. Those sorts of things um, are really important because otherwise there's really not too much glue to keep these things together. You know, Fable will move forward, Saturn will move forward. We see safe as the way to to make that as easy as possible to bring them together. So um, it's just a continual process, I think, um, to continue evolving it, um, both in terms of the template and the documentation. Um, as well as potentially looking at some more tooling in the future, but we're not too sure about how much we want to do with that. It's the same as the documentation. What we don't want to do is duplicate Fable docs on the Safe Doc site or the mm-hmm. Saturn docs on the Safe Doc site, um, but more to look at it as more of a, a place that you can come to as a starting point to get a good overview of all the de- the, the different tech and see some high-level docs on how these pieces fit together and then send you off to, if you want to find out more about Saturn, Saturn's got a great doc site. Here's where you look. Here's where you go to find out more about that in mm-hmm. detail. Very cool. Um, where uh, can I go to for support? I know you mentioned before there's a Slack channel that might be relevant. Can you give me like a little listing here of where all I can go? Yeah, so um, there's the Slack channel, of course. So that's the, usually it's on the web on the F-Shop Software Foundation Slack. Uh, there's Twitter, so there's the safe underscore stack um, mm-hmm. account that we're always monitoring. Um, and I also touched on uh, commercial support as well. So there's like three consultancies now on the, the safe doc site that you can reach out to. Um, obviously, they're always happy to help. But um, I think, to be honest, you'll probably get quite far just with Twitter mm-hmm. and Slack. Um, and of course, now the, um, the F-Sharp forums, which are relatively new, 
um, there's nothing to stop people asking for help in there as well. Yeah, very cool. Um, and um, the F-Sharp forums, um, incidentally, I think is seeing pretty good uptake now. It's kind of a nice um, step further than Slack, where Slack is kind of more of the real-time chat thing, whereas the forums is really great for someone's got a question about a particular tech or something to do with F-Sharp, and then it's it's there and over you know the course of two, three days, there might be quite a nice, interesting discussion on it. So the, um, the forum's definitely a good place to go as Very well. Very cool. And how can I help? Let's say I'm interested in doing some open source work and helping out the city staff. What's, what's my first step there? Could it be something as simple as the documentation? Um, just either raising an issue where something isn't um, quite easy for you to understand or clear. Um, two, there's, of course, things like the safe template and the dojo, where, again, helping us make sure that those work as well as they can do. Um, might just be something as simple as making a small change to one of the actual underlying texts mm. as well. So Saddam, for example, um, we're seeing some some lots of interesting changes on that. And those things really form the foundation of SAFE itself. So, you know, if you find something that, you know, you, you want to add it to, to, to any of these texts, um, the, the first thing to do is just raise an issue. Um, I can promise you um, all of the, the people that are maintaining these texts they're, they're really happy to get issues with, you know, I'd love to see this in Saturn or I'd love to see this mm-hmm. in Fable. Even if you, you, you know, you don't have the confidence or you don't have the time to actually do the work or even know how to start. Well, raise an issue. Let's get the discussion going. And then from there, things will happen. All right. Uh, it's been a great conversation about the safe stack. I really appreciate you coming on here and uh, joining me in for the show. I just want to go before we, uh, actually close off here and recommend to the listeners to check out your book, Get Programming with F-Sharp, if they're interested in getting some kind of introductory to mid-level material. I'm about halfway through the book now myself. It's fantastic. There is a coupon, or a discount code rather, in the show notes. Uh, Really go check it out. Uh, I really appreciate your work towards that, Isaac. I've probably read most of the F-Sharp books out there, and as far as introductory material, I I really think it's the best thing out there. So uh, thank you for that. Uh, Any closing thoughts, Isaac? Um, well, thank you for that. Um, yeah. <laughs> I guess um, reach out to me on Twitter um, if you've got any questions about some of the stuff we spoke about today. Um, really always happy to, to just chat about this stuff. So, yeah, please reach out. Um, check us out on our website or, or just on Twitter. Thanks a lot. Thank you. Thank you.